What's up, guys? My name is Sean. I'm here with another episode. We are here at Ikigai Central. Um, it's a new studio, so be sure to check it out. Um, and I'm super excited to have two really close friends. My brother, uh, co-founder of Ikigai, and Avin, who's been a longtime friend of mine. Today, we're going to talk about mindfulness and meditation, a topic that's been talked about a lot over the last, I would say, five years. And I think it's going to be really exciting. So maybe Johnny, you could give yourself, uh, introduce yourself a little bit, and then me too. Cool. Um, yeah. So my name's Gianni. As Sean mentioned, I'm the uh, co-founder of Ikigai. It's a boutique wellness studio in the heart of Central. Uh, we have another location in TST as well. Um, what we offer here are a variety of yoga, meditation, and movement-based practices. Um, so. Anybody that's interested in these kind of things, uh, feel free to come and join us and meet some cool people, have some interesting conversations. Yeah, um, yeah I'm Avin. Um, I grew up in Hong Kong. I don't know that much about wellness or meditation, um, but I have had a little bit of experience working with Gianni before, uh, and so I'm just very keen to learn a little bit more today. Um, and yeah, I've known Sean basically my whole life, so I'm very excited to be here. I want to dive straight into it. Uh, people practice mindfulness and meditation. Um, it brings a lot to them physically and mentally. Um, Johnny, you've been doing meditation for I don't know how many years. What would you say is um, the one benefit that has brought to you in your life for the last few years? Uh, I think the benefits are endless. Uh, there's been a lot, but practically speaking, just a lot more relaxed in stressful situations, much more clarity of mind, um, understanding how thoughts, emotions, feelings uh, are, and then being able to handle every situation accordingly. Um, and then a little bit more knowledgeable than, than I previously have been, but I guess that comes with experience as hmm. well. Yeah. Have you practiced meditation at all? I've tried before. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things that's quite difficult to do, as Gianni will probably like attest to for a novice. I think I spent about three minutes, three months, sorry, trying to do it for ten minutes every morning. Um, but when they say when you're meditating, you should be able to just stop your leg from itching because you're not supposed to be moving and doing other things. Um, and that's kind of where I failed because I would endlessly just fiddle around or do something. And after trying it for three months, I just decided to take a break. But well, as you, I mean, we've had countless conversations about this. It obviously takes practice, right? I mean, you did it for a few months. I'm sure it takes like, I mean, I'm a gym goer and it takes me years. I still haven't perfected any techniques in the gym. I'm still learning. So I'm sure it's the same thing with meditation. If you want to get to a certain state of not itching your leg, then I'm sure it's going to take a bit longer than it. Well, I think the gym analogy is a good one um, because when you go to the gym, you can show up and you can go there and you can lift without proper technique and you can get injured and de like demotivated, especially if there's not someone to help or guide or answer your questions or tweak or, or help you with your experiences along the way. Um, I think when you first start practicing meditation, uh, it's like cleaning a room, right? So when the room is it's already messy, which is your mind, maybe has a lot of thoughts and a lot of um, feelings in there. and emotions and thoughts or, or whatever um, and uh, if the room is messy when you try and clean it out first you're going to empty the drawers you're going to empty the cupboards 
and then you're gonna make the room have all these clothes on the floor and on the bed and it's gonna look even more messy temporarily and then slowly bit by bit you throw stuff away and clean it up and it becomes lighter and freer so that's kind of the progress it's like when you first start it's like a little bit challenging and then it becomes like riding a bicycle down a hill and becomes easier uh, but three months is a long time. You should have kind of grasped Gone it, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, no. I, I think I think um, maybe maybe one thing you just said is like um, you're supposed to be still and you should not move your leg. I think that's a wrong uh, misconception about practice. The whole thing is you should just be relaxed. If you feel like you your your leg is going numb, like move your leg so you can get blood back into it. So you just become relaxed and then you can bring the leg back and you just watch your breath. These are basic techniques. So it should not be tense, it's the opposite of that. You need to be like relaxed in that. See, I guess like the thing is, whenever you learn something, you're expected to, I wouldn't say be a perfectionist in it immediately, but you try to imitate what the end goal is. I mean, both of you guys play football. Um, when you're, I don't know, doing step overs or something, like you're expecting to do it correctly from the very beginning. Like mm -hmm. if you, there's like a right way and a wrong way to do it. And I feel, from what I heard about meditation, there's a, not necessarily a wrong way, but there is a right way to do it. Um, and even when you're starting out like that, you still drive yourself towards being that perfectionist. Like, mm -hmm. okay, because the end goal is to not move. Or not to not move, but to be in another state of mind, as I understand it, where the other little things in your body you can like tell to switch on and switch off. Just like you know, when doing step over, like there's a way to do it. Well, I think I think that's absolutely true. Eventually, you get to a point of still stillness, complete. And still, this means no thoughts at all. You're the just thoughts become background noise. Background noise. So they're almost gone. You're like not affected by it. But they like it's the nature of the mind to think. So um, it, it eventually fades out. The more you just focus your attention in one direction. If I if I put it very very simply, like. There's, let's just break it down into three phases. Phase one, mind is scattered, thoughts are happening, it's distracted, or you're thinking about your past, thinking about your future, imagination, memory, uh, whatever happened in your day, or whatever's going to happen. Then you have an anchor, which is the focus element, that's stage two. You, people use their breath, people use, this is where mindfulness comes in, you use your, any of your five senses to focus the mind in one direction for an extended period of time. If you do this for long enough, eventually the chatter of the mind slowly quietens down, it's not disappeared. But then the final stage, which is the stillness part, that's the meditation. So that's, that's the trick, that's where most people kind of um, don't really get it, because they're usually stuck at stage two, and it, they're using effort to become effortless, but that can only bring you so far. Uh, so then to enter your own meditation, that's when you just have to sort of let go uh, and drop the effort. So do nothing. That's why you, you should not be tense. That's why you should just be relaxed. When the body is relaxed, it's free. Energy moves freely. You have clarity of mind. Yeah, I think reaching those states is quite liberating. I think you can get a taste of it, and it feels quite nice. Because I, I recently meditated. I think a couple of days ago, and I, I went. In, I kind of went in the mindset of like, okay, I'm going to see how far I can do it, and see what happens. Usually, I don't last more than I think maybe five to 10 minutes, but this time I went 20 minutes. And I didn't want to like get out of it. I was like, this state is really good. And I think it's the fact that I didn't try too hard. Yeah. And when you don't try too hard and you kind of trust yourself to do the right thing, things kind of flow. Um, 
and that was really cool. I think, I think, I think if you can practice that and put it into your other aspects of your daily life, mm -hmm. then it works better. I think with anything, if you try too hard in, like for example, dating, mm -hmm. a girl can sense it a mile away. Like this guy is fucking <laughs> like super desperate, you know. Even if he's like the best looking or whatever, or even on the football field or in any sport you do, if you try too hard, it's uh, people can sense it, and then it's just like you you kind of freeze up. So the more flurry you are, I think, the better. I think meditation helps. Uh, not personally for me, I can only just resemble in the aspect of the raw the raw state of meditation. Well, I think I think the way you described it is perfect. I think you definitely you're doing the right thing. You tasted it. That's that's how um, a meditative experience can feel. Um, some people think that it's um, you know some enlightening experience where you have all these like crazy visuals and all this kind have of you, stuff. Have you have you um, tripped on meditation? Have you seen psychedelics? Uh, especially at the beginning, there when I first started to do it, just because I started to observe the patterns of my mind, there were some visuals, there were some memories, there's all these kind of things, but that's not the, it, it's still it's still a polarity, it's still not that balanced center stillness part, mm. and uh, when you get to that true, what they call like your, your, your true nature, which is like that's complete blankness, complete stillness, or taste that, that's, that's the spot that, that um, is the most liberating, because that's the spot from which anything you want can come from. I just can't fathom like seeing seeing things and being psychedelic on a natural state. It's crazy to, for me to think that. Like how can you induce that? Like I, I, maybe I guess the closest thing is to sleep when you yeah. dream, right? Yeah. yeah, it is not to be so, uh, to put that on a pedestal basically, you know? Like yeah, okay, it's cool because it's happening in your mind and you see some stuff, but it's, it's, it's all these things are probably based on, as we just touched on earlier, your your memory or your imagination. And those things are not even your own because it's based on some external stimuli or some experience that you've had in your life and that triggers your mind to sort of create something in that. But isn't isn't it like I mean I understand what you're saying, but isn't it the fact that like when you reach those high states and you kind of trip or you see visuals is meditation or mindfulness almost changing the physiologically, the, like the, the chemical side of your body? I'm sure there's some sort of chemical imbalance that changes uh, on some scale, or am I completely wrong in that sense? I mean, I don't know, like, you know, have you guys ever experienced that when you're trying to go to sleep and you're definitely not asleep, but your body and mind is so relaxed that you're almost falling asleep, and then you have, I wouldn't call it a dream because you're not asleep, but kind of like a dream like is that the, the similar experience of like what you mean when you're meditating and you well, see visuals or something because that's what it sounds like to me when you're awake but so relaxed that you're almost like your mind is almost on the cusp of not being fully aware because you're turning all of your like mental awareness inwards rather than being external yeah, I, I would I would say so two points I think the the chemi the inner chemistry of your body definitely does change Yoga and the practice of meditation, in terms of, if you look at it from a modern scientific perspective, it's all related, well, mostly related to your nervous system and your endocrine system, so your hormones. Um, and then that also affects the way that you feel, and also what you see behind the eyelids when you close your eyes. Um, and touching on what you said, meditation 
is about being alert. They use this word alert. Alert doesn't mean like scared and alert, but just not sleeping. Like especially when we were uh, when I was in India and we had to get up at like five in the morning and do the meditation first thing in the morning, and before even like before I started to take a shower to wake me up to do that. We'd go, me and my, my roommate, we'd go into the hall and we'd be like falling asleep like this and stuff. So, because oh. it's just, uh, so, so meditation and sleep uh, should not be uh, confused. Um, so yeah, it definitely, it sounds very similar to kind of what you described, this sort of awakened state, but completely peaceful, completely still, completely centered. The thoughts are there, but they come and go, they're kind of background noise. Um, you're not involved in them, you can choose how to get involved in them and then sort of have a creative outcome to maybe, but that, that's the next stage of meditation. Usually it's just emptying and then sitting in that space of peace for a while. You know? And then when you go in the real world, that's when you have to apply what you've kind of right. learned. That's the real part. Because let's say someone comes along and they do something to offend you, your instant reaction is like, Am I going to react? And you have that half second to like choose your reaction. That's when the sort of teaching comes in. Yeah. I think we had a conversation a while back, V, about uh, is meditation for everybody? And I remember you saying that for you, it necessarily isn't because you have your own forms of meditation. Um, what would you What would you say that What What are your own forms of meditation? Or, I, mean, I don't know whether like I have my own forms of meditation, but I think that um, the idea behind it is it sounds like it's to help people who maybe aren't that centered in their life. Like it can help you. I mean, there's like this idea about the actual self versus like the perceived self, right? I think that's something like that. Um, and it can help people who maybe don't have a good sense of their actual self. But if you do, then I think that it's not... I don't think it's like useless for everyone. Like I think that everyone can find some level of usefulness with meditation. But I think that that varies depending on the individual. And I tried it because, you know, why not? But I just feel like it doesn't, it's not really something that I, I believe I would get much help out of. I think that I'm pretty like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, well if, if you are an enlightened being, you don't need meditation. I don't think I'm in life. Yeah. I, wish, <laughs> I wish I was. <laughs> well, actually, you, you, the point the point is this: the idea is to end up living your life in a meditative way because that's the way that you have most clarity of mind, and that's gonna uh, give you the most peace and fulfillment because uh, you're not really attached to to the ebbs and flows, the joys, highs and lows of life, but you're fully involved with it, but you're unaffected with it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, if you just go through everything gracefully, uh, then you don't need meditation. You know? So I've um, I traveled in Peru for some time, and while I was there, I looked into the possibility of doing ayahuasca, um, which is like a psychedelic, which is apparently a very intense experience. <laughs> yeah. um, I unfortunately didn't find the time to do it in a place where it's legal, just wanted to say. Um, because it's like a week retreat and you go into the Amazon rainforest with some shamans, but um, I do know a few people who have done it and they've essentially described a similar experience of, I mean, I wouldn't want to call it finding enlightenment because that's like kind of a broad term, but they feel as though they've helped, it's helped them 
understand their true nature or their true self much better, mm -hmm. which I don't think that there are like shortcuts to life or anything, but it does seem like that is a bit more of a shortcut. It doesn't accomplish everything that meditation provides you with, but um, it does give you some insight. So how do you feel about like psychedelic usage? Because I feel like probably a lot of people who meditate trip balls. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, to be honest, I think there's similarities and differences between the two and different purposes between the two. Uh, I think this depends on your motive. Really? Uh, intention plays a big role as well. I think I think the role of psychedelics has its place when it's done uh, in a safe, controlled environment, and the substance is measured by certain scientists and all that. Um, and the purpose of it would be to treat sort of traumas and um, depression and and really people who have uh, maybe had some some blockages due to traumatic events, and to, to get just to get that first step out of it. Uh, but wouldn't you say that meditation could also help in a similar situation, but... Yeah, I think meditate, like, as you said, it's, it's a shortcut. It's like a very, it's like a, like a punch to wake you up. Uh, whereas meditation is like, you, you're kind of just like floating along the river to your destination and, and enjoying the ride gracefully. Um, and uh, you still have the same sort of realizations. Um, I mean, I have friends who've also done that kind of stuff, and... Uh, the realizations that they've had are, you know, very similar to um, what people can get through a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of wisdom, uh, on studying, uh, studying these spiritual practices, and then also practicing meditation consistently over a period of time. It's, uh, and they have the same sort of realizations. Um, so the, maybe the journey is a bit different, but, but the destination is sort of the same. Yeah, I think from what you're saying, it, it, it makes sense that like I think meditation kind of takes away us being so important in this life like we take everything so seriously and I think also psychedelics I mean I had done it recently for the first time and it was quite incredible um, I didn't really have too many like profound thoughts but it was very humbling and, and also in the sense that like you know at the end of the day like when you die or whatever it is it, it basically it, it, it takes you to another perspective and you and you basically you, you see a different dimension I, I'm sure I'm sure like meditation will also kind of take you in that in that branch and, and you can kind of like you can take a step back and be like okay like if I'm seeing these things and I'm being in this different state I'm sure there has to be some sort of alternative alternative reality of some sort that whatever where we're sitting here and talking and eating and doing going by our daily life it's it's all real but i'm sure like this has to be another one well well in yoga they call it so okay there's just two points that kind of came to my head the first thing is about the, the difference between psychedelics and meditation i would say and i'm not saying everyone does it but a lot of people use psychedelics for recreational use it's a form of escapism to escape the stresses and the troubles and they have that sense of experiencing something different it's an experience right and that experience gives certain realizations which then make you more humble and all that right. stuff right but it's still an experience it's a temporary thing that gives you that temporary wake-up call um, meditation is uh, something that you sort of ingrain in you and become habitual and uh, it's it's not it, it's it's something that you want to take away and and applying your life consistently, um, and 
I just went blank. <laughs> so so it's kind of it's kind of similar to I guess when you're, I mean for you in fitness, right? Mm -hmm. So I hate the word diet because diet is kind of I think like um, like a psychedelic. It's like a, a short term solution to a problem yeah. rather than a lifestyle change. Like for example, you, you now eat like no meat or you don't eat as much meat or you went. You know, like oh, people. I remember what I was going to say now. Go, go, go for it. Oh, no, but like, I mean, that's what it sounds like. Meditation yeah. is more like the lifestyle change, whereas the other thing is like a diet or a short term fix or Yeah, solution. and there's usually side effects to that. Usually. Usually there's much more like side effects that you, you hear about people having bad trips and things like that, and it happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing that I, that I was going to say is that what, what happened is. Um, for me, it, it was just a very natural transition. Like I just started to not feel the need to drink alcohol anymore. Uh, I just didn't like feeling that it changed my 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 reality temporarily. And I and meditation is about getting involved with reality instead of escaping reality. That's what I would say the difference is. Yeah, and the reality is, according to the yogic science, is that. This is sort of the illusionary world based on the way that we, with our thoughts and emotions and feelings, it's called Maya, basically, Maya, Maya. Uh, and uh, our true nature is um, that, uh, basically that, let's just call it energy, energy let's yeah. just call it energy for, for uh, making it easy for everyone to grasp, but yeah, and you can see that with science nowadays, I mean like, there's so much more evidence coming out that uh, the, the same molecules and atoms of the stars that were exploded hundreds and thousand years ago, we're also made up of the same stuff of that. And mm -hmm. there's lots and lots of that modern science and physics and uh, proving this. Do you, have, do you think that also, when you've practiced this over so many years, has it helped you in sports specifically? Definitely. Because Definitely. I've, I've, as I've grown older, I've kind of tapped into sports psychology and how I think it's uh, it's not really um, it's not really looked upon, especially uh, people who have um, like mental health issues or whatever it is. They always say like, "Oh, sport is like mental ninety percent, mental ninety percent." Yet they have the best physios on hand, the best fitness on hand. They don't really have too many psychologists on hand, or they don't really take this sort of practice to put into how it is. Um, I remember uh, I saw a podcast and GSP's coach. I forgot his name. But he mentioned how, like, I think he was having a title fight. Chase was having a title fight, and you know, you have the whole pressure on the world looking at you, and you could get your ass beat. Um, and he's just like, just see it as another fight. Like, what happens? So what if you lose? Mm. What people will remember it for a few days, a few few weeks, a few months, and then people go on with their life. And he basically took the, the pressure off GSP, and he just went out there and performed. And I think meditation is whatever you want to call it, it's a great tool for athletes to implement in their sport. Before you <coughs> respond to that, just something, something about that that, um, that you kind of talked about earlier and, and also you asked about whether everyone needs to meditate or whether people can be in a meditative state, maybe naturally. So, I don't know, you guys watch basketball at all? Well, yes. A little bit? A little bit. But they talk about how sometimes you're just in a zone where like you just can't miss a shot, you'll just be you know like shooting mm. unbelievably and it's like you're not even thinking, like you're mm. completely just, I wouldn't say out of touch with reality, but you're just completely in your own world, almost as though you're in a meditative state. Would mm. you 
say that that's yeah. Yeah. similar and, and basically like that's how it can be tied in with sport in some way or yeah definitely definitely yeah it's the inner game of tennis they say playing out of your mind yeah. you're in your flow state where everything is just everything is fire and all cylinders but the, yeah the idea is to do that with anything that you do like you, you even eat a food eat your food like that instead of like watching your computer or eating your food like that <laughs> you know but you actually like in, in India, right, they, they eat the food with their hands. They eat the food with their hands because the tips of our nervous system is, uh, our nervous system, uh, is in, in our fingers and they feel the energy of the food and then eat it as well. But yeah, there's definitely, totally, that makes total sense. That's totally aligned with being in a meditative state uh, throughout your day and, and anything that you do. Um, Were you going to say Michael Jordan's example about shooting threes with that? No, I, I don't know, just in general, like, you okay. hear people in, like, after after games and their post-game interviews, and they're just like, yeah, I was just in a zone. Like, I don't know, Clay Thompson hit 13 threes in a game, scored, like, 37 points in a quarter, and he just looked up and went, oh, my God, like, 37 <laughs> points. Like, he just didn't even realize what was going on, yeah. which is just... It happens so fast, his, you don't yeah, realize. He was just in a zone. Someone just, just, I don't know, like, it's, I've never experienced anything like that before. Yeah, time and space you know. becomes illusory. Time and space is, is your perception of it. And yeah, just, just to touch on the athletic performance, I, I wouldn't actually say meditation alone like, and ha like helped with that. I mean, it, of course it helps with every area of your life, but um, I'm super fascinated about the whole athletic performance uh, part because we grew up as football players and, and always you know, wanted to look after our, our health. But it was more about, first of all, having the awareness to kind of distance myself from certain things that weren't really helping me evolve, that might have even been some people, mm -hmm. um, and then also surrounding myself with people who uh, are experts in that field, and then having discussions with them, learning their, their, from their experience and their knowledge, and then applying that knowledge. So, um, like, it wasn't the meditation, it was more the knowledge mm -hmm. and the experience that you get from Having, uh, surrounding with yourself with experts. The meditation is there to help it's just, just, tool, just absorb more of it more efficiently, maybe. But it was mainly the, that, like, it was mainly the surrounding yourself with those people and learning from them. And that only happened, I would say, the last one to two years where I really feel like, as Avin described, like really being comfortable in my own skin uh, as like, an athlete. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Before that, I would be very nervous before games, very insecure, like thinking about what other people would, would say if I didn't do, do something well, like all this nonsense, absolute nonsense. Uh, now, uh, just that inner confidence is there, relaxed, uh, always like evolving. If I make a mistake, I know how to correct it super fast. I don't dwell on it. Touching up on the point that we left off, um, obviously from what I've heard, um, through meditation and with the people that surround you, um, it's changed uh, the perspective on what you see is your own life. Would you would you say that like the more you do it, the more you're going to develop as a human being? It just doesn't stop there. You you're going to keep practicing uh, meditation, so it's going to take you to a higher state. Or you just let it flow. You just let see what happens. Uh, I think there's different stages to it. So like if you're completely new to it, it requires a little bit more discipline um, and it will require, well, it's called like a, pure, they call it purification, you know, a purification process. So 
you have all the baggage in here that needs to be purified, right, um, to a certain level. Um, and because we're not monks and we don't live and have renounced our lives, we don't have to worry about like all the things in our commitments and desires and wants in, in this type of lifestyle. Um, then it requires a little bit of consistent discipline at the beginning, um, which is a little bit more effort. And then after you get to a certain uh, level where you get used to the feeling of being meditative, you couple that with the with knowledge. You need to have it with knowledge because you can you can sort of get that feeling of meditativeness, and then you become a little bit more fearless. But then you are you're fearless and foolish, and you can do damage to people. In, if you don't have a little bit of knowledge about it, then and and you're completely fearless, you can harm someone or do something stupid or reckless that or that that has consequences to it. You need to have knowledge about. Uh, it could be yoga, it could be life, it could be self-awareness, it could be whatever. Um, then, so once you have the taste of it and how it feels and how it gives you a little bit of breathing space between you and your thoughts, realizing that you are not your thoughts and you're not controlled by your thoughts, then the effort doesn't need to be that much. Um, and, uh, but, so, but the consistency should be there uh, just to keep you, have that one thing for yourself that keeps you a little bit grounded every day. Um, but not as a clutch. That's the opposite side. So you're doing the opposite of meditation if you go through your life once you've had it and you've tasted it, and then you're like, oh, I didn't do my meditation today, so I'm not going to have a good day and I'm going to be anxious and stuff. It's the total opposite of it. Like, let's mm -hmm. say one day you don't have the time and you have to get up really early to do something else and other commitments. You don't put your life on hold for meditation. Meditation should supplement your life. So you go take care of whatever those things you need to take care of. And then later in the evening, you sit down and you, you be quiet for a few minutes and observe your breath or do whatever practice you need to do. Um, mm -hmm. So it's very important that it's not like a, like a clutch that, that you rely on. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah I, think, uh, I, think, I think that's the same thing with uh, gym goers too. They rely a lot on if they don't get their training session and it's not a good day and then mm -hmm. they, they've messed up, myself included. I feel, I feel almost like I've... I'm missing something in my, my daily life. That's, that's I think, my, my complete downfall. I've been so attached to fitness that if it's ever taken away from me, especially when you get injured, I get so down. But it's actually okay that like if you do get injured, you know that you're gonna get back and you'll be back to that same place. You just have to take the right steps. Yeah. So I think it's almost like when you get so invested in a relationship, and let's say, for example, your partner leaves you and stuff, it's so devastating. Mm. So as I'm sort of, I'm, what I'm hearing is like basically don't get too attached to it. You should try and keep that balance and be like, okay, meditation is there, but you know, if, I, if it doesn't go my way, it's okay. Well, I think I think going to the gym and having targets and goals is very, it's 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 a little bit different because if you have a goal that like, okay, let's say you you have a lot of friends in the bodybuilding thing, right? They have to be super disciplined with their timing, their diet, their regimen. Or even like when we have a we have a we have a match day coming up, right? We're gonna train accordingly in the week to push our bodies to enough stress earlier on in the week so that we have enough time to recover to be fresh for the game, mm. right? You're not gonna do heavy legs the day before a game because you know you're gonna be yeah. tired because yeah. that's your target, that's your goal. So with with meditation, like you, especially at the beginning when you're starting out, like of course you can have some some targets, some, some goal to feel a little bit more relaxed and feel a little bit 
at, at first, but again, again, don't rely on it. Don't don't have don't have it as the end all be all that you have to do it because it should just be something that supplements your life and makes it much more at ease, much more relaxed, much mm -hmm. more graceful. So whatever brings you more ease, whatever brings you um, ways to act more gracefully, uh, if the meditation helps with that, then do that in that way. Right. Has it improved your sleep at all, meditation, would you say? Yeah. It has, so you're, you're, you're more of a deep sleeper now? Uh, I, I, I you can think focus. a lot, usually, personally. Uh, like my mind's always thinking about like business yeah. and everything, but um, there's two things that actually help with sleep. Um, Magnesium. Xanax. Drinking. <laughs> I, I, I think meditation has helped, but, but maybe that's just because I... Uh, maybe I don't notice it too much. Do you meditate in the evening? Sometimes, not too often. Every every morning I have my time to myself. It's just like the time for for me and no external stimulus. One thing that really helps is like taking a lacrosse ball, just like massaging my, my standing on it for like five minutes and massaging the soles of my feet with it. Oh, really? And it, maybe it's like foot reflexology or something. And I sleep super well <laughs> every time too. Wow. Yeah, I can't. I have problems yeah. falling asleep because my mind's a hundred miles an hour and shut the fuck up. But, yeah. Well, I think anything that'll activate your parasympathetic nervous system at night. But I also think it's a habitual thing because I don't think it's just happened overnight. I think of you, you know, when you put water in in, in a big um, in a big jar and just keep filling it up. It's just like I've been having thoughts before I go to sleep, and then it's just like, oh, it's like that. That basically, it's like you know, like when a dog knows that they're about to get food, and they go and they go to the the bowl, and they know all. Oh, even if even if the owner is like just putting something in the kitchen, but the dog thinks, oh, I'm gonna get food. Same thing with the thought process of going before you go to bed. You're like, oh, now's the time to think of things, it, because it's almost like you've done your your reactive system is set at this time. That's the time to think. Of. I don't really think about that much throughout the day. Sometimes I do, but yeah. it's almost that that. But it's also time. like different because when you're going to sleep, you have no uh, like no stimulus. It's like when you're going about your day, your thoughts are about what you're doing. Like, cause you're out, you're thinking, let me not get hit by a car when I'm crossing the road, for example. You don't have that thought when you're in bed, because you're in bed doing nothing. So then your mind starts to wonder to, I mean, for me, it's like to usually unanswerable questions, which is why I then can't go to sleep. So I'm thinking about like death, the universe, random things that very unlikely you'll ever know the answer to. And then there's no conclusion ever. And that's you're what's stuck in this cycle. <laughs> like, are there aliens? No idea. And you will never, like, you might never know. And therefore, I can't answer the question and just fall asleep. So why do you, why would you engage in that? Why would you I go too I, deep in it? It's not like, I mean, I don't, you don't really have control sometimes. Like, sometimes you'll have a thought, and then you'll just go to the next thought, to the next thought, to the next thought, and just like a progression until either you get tired enough to fall asleep, or you just sleep, <laughs> <laughs> or hopefully you reach a conclusion and then you stop thinking about that topic. But, but I don't know, like so verbal diarrhea. Yeah, essentially, mm. except in like an order, I'd say. <laughs> well, I think I think asking those kind of questions are like, um, you're definitely the minority that ask those kind of questions. Most people don't even think of those questions. Uh, I I also enjoyed pondering these kind of things. Um, and I also had a phase where, like, 
um, I would go insane because I didn't know the answers to them. Um, and uh, like, I think too much of, of anything can, can be harmful. Um, and uh, I, I, like, for example, like there was a point where I would listen to all these spiritual teachers and philosophers and I would like listen to like three hours worth of content in like a row at nighttime and then wake up in the next morning and listen yeah. to it again and my and I was like using all this energy all, all my cognitive brain power to like figure out like what does this mean this philosopher is saying one thing this spiritual guy is saying another thing and I, and I felt like my head was about to explode I forgot to live joyfully um, um, yeah I think that would be yeah. counterproductive when you think about I mean, a few weeks ago, I was listening to, I was like feeling, I was feeling a little bit off. So I was like, oh, let me listen to a few podcasts, like some positive stuff. And the guy, whoever, whoever posted it, had some really good content. But I was listening to too much. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then my week was ruined because I'm thinking of so many different topics to tackle. It's like, I couldn't even think about my own life. I'm just like, oh, but I'm not doing this right. And I'm not doing this right. I'm like, oh, dude. And I shut it off. And guess what happened? Better week. Yeah. It's like. Okay. Yeah. So you were saying earlier that like sleep and meditation is obviously different, like you know. But for people like Sean and myself who struggle to fall asleep, mm. would you say that practicing meditation in the evening, not with the purpose of trying to fall asleep, but just like to get these endless thoughts or questions to center yourself or whatever, however you want to describe like that cleaning of the room of nonsense that's in your mind? I think I think it's it's. It's super simple. Like, there's so many things that uh, people can do. They can do meditation. They can do breathing. They can do foam rolling. They can do whatever. Uh, but the main thing is to fall asleep. We want to activate our parasympathetic nervous system, right? The opposite of our fight or flight uh, mode. And if if you get so this can be a takeaway tip that was given to me and it's just coming, it's, it's super helpful. It's like, if you check in with yourself and just check in with your physical body, am I holding tension in my face, especially the forehead and the eyeballs and eyelids and the jaw? And uh, do I have like a gentle smile, like inner smile or am I smiling? And is my body physically relaxed or am I stiff in the air in the body. If you just do this throughout your entire day and just every time you realize, oh, I'm holding tension there, just bring it, just relax it consistently. By the time it comes to evening, you will be more relaxed naturally. Um, and that came in super helpful for me. Um, it's even when like we're playing a game on the football pitch and you have like all the noise of everyone around you, talking, deep talk, all this kind of stuff. You just check in yourself, like, am I sitting tensely or am I just relaxed? And the moment you relax, it's like, everything becomes clearer. Um, so that's what my tip would be, instead of like, you have to do this meditation, you have to do this breathing or anything, just relax your jaw, relax your eyes, relax your forehead, and have a little smile. Um, and see if that works. Right. Yeah, I think uh, when people... When they say also in the fitness industry, like sleep is imperative. It's like one of the, the, the most important thing. But I think it's a little bit deeper than people just say, oh, nutrition, nutrition, sleep, sleep. You've got to get your whatever, your seven to eight hours of sleep. Obviously, when, when you recover, you recover best when you're sleeping, right? Your REM sleep, your muscles recover, then you're mm -hmm. ready to go again, hard, fitness, whatever it is. 
But sometimes I sleep that many hours and I don't feel that great mentally. So like my body feels good, but I just feel like, oh, like the anxiety is there. It's like, I didn't really have a good sleep realistically. I had those hours in the bank, but it's not the quality that was there, mm. which is what I would like to work on a little bit better. I think I'm getting better, but I think, you know, you, you definitely have, like you, uh, life is not going to be smooth. So you definitely have these moments where like, you've had amazing sleep. And that's obviously when the tension is low in your body, your energy is good. And then there's times where you don't have good sleep and obviously there's been maybe some sort of injury or you're not right in this, uh, you're not you know, mentally right in, this, uh, in a certain time in your life so the, the sleep pattern is poor. It usually correlates, it usually correlates. When you're less stress-free, the sleep is better. When you're a little bit higher stress, the, the sleep isn't that great. And so it's, it's like a catch-22 because it, it collides, you know, when you're stressed, you don't sleep. If you don't sleep, you're stressed. Like, oh, I'm trying to fight this, this endless war. Well, I think do what's in your control, mm. right? Um, like, manage whatever's in, in your control and, and, and understand how you feel. I think, I think what happens is, like, just going back on, like, the opinions of everybody else and all that stuff is uh, by listening to too many podcasts or too many d- discourses, like now, now I just take everything with a pinch of salt. Really, uh, I have to just like they, they also say this in, in, if you're like a spiritual seeker or in the path of yoga is like even when you go to like uh, these see these famous gurus in their ashrams and their big lecture halls and all that stuff and they're speaking so motivationally and everything and it's inspiring. They say like always keep a little bit of distance, no matter with who it is, and just just you know. Take everything a little bit of pinch of salt. Don't believe blindly, even though it feels good and inspiring. Like, like, go back and reflect on it and analyze it for yourself. Um, and then, and then we were, you were talking also about like um, uh, how how certain things are a certain way in the world, and, and people might not like to hear hear it because it, they might not like to hear the truth because it sounds kind of like depressing sometimes um, in, in a way that like. You know, there's, there's poverty, there's uh, like disease. hunger, disease, all this, these sort of negative things going on in the world. And then when you talk about it in a certain way, people don't like to hear it because, especially in like first world countries, because it's like, oh, it's, it's just bringing the energy down or it's negative talk and all this stuff. But these are people who don't want to like acknowledge reality the way it is. And if you're actually grateful, you'll acknowledge it for the way it is and then be grateful for where you actually are because you are not in that situation. And to actually really absorb that and think that and feel that, that's proper gratitude. You know? Because then when you have your problems when you're fighting with your girlfriend or, or whoever, or anything, it's minuscule. It's minuscule compared to that. Mm. I think that's a really interesting point that you brought up. Um, not many people can think like that. I think a lot of people just go through life going through the motion. I think people need to be educated a little bit more on, on a deeper level. I think the education system lacks that from kindergarten to primary school, but now I think it's more prominent, uh, especially our generation. I, I'm hopeful that these type of talks and meditation and mindfulness and being aware and going a little bit more deeper and if you want to call it spiritual, whatever those words are, I think it is growing, but I think it needs to have more importance. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe if that does come to fruition, 
uh, it's going to pave a little bit of a better path in the future because people will, I think, I would say, think more clearly and be a little bit more open to that. Um, with this yoga studio that you've recently opened, you've got one in TSD, right? And one here. What's your, what's your goal? What's your plan for this? I mean, you don't have to tell secrets, you know. No, no, it's not a big deal. Um, uh, well, look, I mean, uh, for sure, for sure, this is like a fun entrepreneurial business venture that, that we want to do, but that's, uh, that's just part of it. Um, definitely very passionate about health, wellness, yoga, uh, physical movement of the body, meditative practices. The, the name of the studio is called Ikigai. And Ikigai is a Japanese word that means uh, a reason for being. Um, and we're not telling people that you can come here and find your reason for being. Um, we just feel that through the medium of health and wellness, maybe you can have some more clarity of mind, feel better about yourself, and then on your own figure out whatever your reason for being is. So that was sort of the thinking behind the name, thinking behind the concept, thinking behind how we wanted to incorporate health and well, uh, health and wellness into the Hong Kong market, and and the vision for for us is to uh, to scale and grow this and make it more accessible to people around uh, Hong Kong with multiple locations and uh, eventually the APAC region as well. So uh, that's that's kind of the, the long term vision for it. Great stuff. Yeah. And V, do you have any specific goals that you look for in the future? For yourself, or if you would tell anyone younger than you, or someone who, who wants to learn a little bit more. I mean, yeah, just continuing to to practice and get better at, I guess, not really caring what other people think and chasing your own goal of happiness, whatever that might be. I think for people in Hong Kong, something that maybe we've all struggled with growing up is that you're surrounded by so much wealth and. You walk down the street and you see a Ferrari every day, you see a Lamborghini, you see all this stuff, and you get into the mindset of like, well, money equates to happiness directly. Um, you know, obviously, there's, there's probably a certain point where you want to be comfortable, especially in, in the way that you grow up, but I used to always be very obsessed with that when I was younger and getting more and more into the habit of having a minimum expectation for comfort, but then also chasing other things that make you happy in life, regardless of whether they bring you money or not, and not overly concerning yourself with what other people might think about whatever your goals are, whatever whatever activities you enjoy doing that make you happy, I think. Something that I can see well subscribe to. Well, well said. said. Awesome. Well, thanks, uh, guys, for coming on. That was a really fun episode. Um, if you guys like the episode, uh, give it a like and give it a follow and uh, I'll be uploading another one in the next month. So, great. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Good shit. <laughs>